fellowship for a few hours, not if you don't have anything to do. I also want to take the time to do something because it is the Memorial Day. I, I want to honor all those who have served in the military. And any can we have those? You stand to your feet. If you've served in the military in any way, shape, or form, amen. Praise God. Yes. The veterans, military. We are so grateful and we are honored for people, to people who have sacrificed their time and their life to serve our country, to protect us. And uh, we love, how many of you still love America? I love this country. And I want to tell you, this country is worth fighting for. It's worth dying for. And I'm not giving up on this nation. And the Bible tells us to always pray and give thanks. Amen? We're not going to stop doing that. We have a Heavenly Father. Even though there's lots of problems and we're a divided nation right now, yet our Father still loves this country. And one thing that I believe is the reason in how this nation is going to return to its glory and honor is not going to be when the Republicans and Democrats get into unity, but it's when the church begins to seek my face and humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. How many of you believe that? Amen. I want to pray for America. Yeah. I want to pray. There's, I mean, I, you know, right now, I, and I'm sure if you've watched the news in the past months or two, there is just amazing things that are happening in Washington. In our nation, uh, for some reason, we don't believe we need to be accountable anymore. We don't believe that we need to give the truth. It's amazing we can still lie and commit perjury and still remain in power. It, it's amazing what is happening. And it's sending a message to our nation. But we need to pray that God will restore. Amen. I want to pray for our nation. Father, you said that we're to give thanks and to, we're, we are to pray for all those that are in authority. Lord, we pray for America. We pray for its leaders. We pray, Lord, this morning that righteousness will be exalted. You said that when the righteous rule, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, the people mourn. Father, we ask you today to restore righteousness in our leadership, starting in the home, starting right where we live, in our communities, in our families, in our, in our area, our districts. I pray, Lord, that we as husbands and fathers and mothers and sons and daughters will walk as men and women in integrity and truth and Lord understanding that there are consequences in our choices that we have the power to make right choices we pray for this nation we pray for a repentance to come that your glory will continue to rest upon us Lord Lord we do not want to chase you off we know that when wickedness bear rule and man no longer has God in his his heart, we know that your presence, Lord, is removed. Your hand of blessing is lifted and the nation comes under a curse.
that, Father, we pray today that men and women will begin to pray and seek Your face. And we pray for this nation. We pray for the leadership. We pray, O God, that the fear of the Lord and righteousness and integrity will be restored to this nation. And everyone said, Amen. 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 We need that. We need that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to drop this right here. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6. Would you jump for a few minutes with me to Matthew 6? Go ahead, uh, Cherie, if you want to put that first slide on the overhead for me. Praise God. Amen. Getting to know Papa God our Father. Amen. You know, I've been on this series on honor. And one of the things you cannot, you cannot uh, excuse or you cannot move into the subject of honor as we talk about that without looking at God the Father. Because all of the attributes of goodness starts with Him because He is a Father. And do you know that we as fathers are made in the same image of God? And all of you fathers this morning, and mothers, but when I'm speaking about the, the father heart of God, I know that we got Father's Day coming up, and this is not intended to be a Father's Day message, but I couldn't escape the fact as I was in prayer several weeks ago, and the Lord began to speak to me, that whatever is on the head, whatever is in the head. Remember Psalms 133. It says, For as the oil, the anointing oil, was put on Aaron's head, and it says, And came down upon his beard, and came down upon his garment. In other words, whatever is in the head comes down. Everyone say, comes down. It's really important as a principle. Whatever is on you, whatever is in you, is going to come down upon your children. It's going to come down in your family. Whatever in Washington, whatever is in the head, it's going to come down. It flows down. So you, you cannot talk about honor without looking at what it is our father is to define the concept of a father I've had two fathers in my life I have my natural father in fact I wanted to get a picture of my dad put him up there he my dad he is a hard-working carpenter all of his life he was a carpenter he was an excellent carpenter when my dad built things one thing about my dad they never it never came apart because he always overbuilt. My dad, anytime he would put something up, I mean, there was always even, uh, 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 what are they, inspectors would come and inspect our buildings. Years ago, when I was working as an apprentice under my father, the inspector would say, Mr. Galligan, why are you putting such heavy beams? And, I mean, he, he would, people loved my dad to build him a house because it was a house that would always, he, he never, cut corners and it was never cheap. It was, he always built it strong. And my dad was also a perfectionist. 
When I did something wrong, I heard about it. And my dad let me know, you did it wrong. And there were times where dad would tear something out that I did. And he said, now this is the way you're going to do it. And so I, I learned some disciplines from my dad. He, he taught me that to be careful. He taught me the importance of really being uh, thoughtful in, this, in the area and cognizant of what I'm doing, to be focused and to be disciplined as a contractor, as a builder. And it really became the foundation that launched me later on in my own business. I really thank my dad for that. My dad gave me a house to live in. My dad uh, fed me. He helped me get through school, my brother and I. And I appreciate that part of my dad. I really do. But my dad was not usually, he was not a, a great communicator. Uh, when I grew up, I was always told, I, I remember times when I would do things wrong, and I remember those clashes, how wrong I was and how I was needed to do it right. And there were times where my dad called me names. And those names begin to affect my self-image. And I did not feel very honorable. I felt weak. I felt defeated. Because what was on the head flows down. I remember one time I was at a construction site where my father was working for my grandfather. My grandfather was an Assembly of God evangelist. And I often wondered why my dad at times, because I hate to say it this way, but my dad was not necessarily a happy man. I almost had to, hate to say it, but, but there was a, he was angry a lot. And uh, I just didn't see a lot of hope coming out of his mouth. And I wondered why. Why was he so angry? Why couldn't he come to work on a happy day? I mean, it made me angry that he couldn't have some positive. And I, I, I couldn't talk to him. He wouldn't. I said, Dad, can we talk? And he would not let me talk. He said, I'm not going to talk about it. Don't, don't, don't talk about it. I mean, that, that was what, the way he was when he was younger. But I was on a job site where he was working with his father. I'm the grandson. And I saw something happen between my grandfather and my dad. And I saw my dad make a mistake. And he had built a bathroom wall two feet uh, into a particular bedroom, and he, he didn't do it according to the blueprint. My dad made this mistake, and my grandfather unloosed on my dad. Oh, my granddad just starts, I can't believe how stupid you are. Don't you read the plan? And, and I remember my dad just sitting there, and I'm the grandson. I was a little kid, but I heard my grandfather, who was an evangelist, Preach at church, but when he was out on the job, he would unload on my dad. And all of a sudden, I begin to realize why my dad was the way he was, because his dad was hard on him. And so we have a generational problem. When I became a father, even in my own house, I grew up, and my sons are here today, there were times that I blew up, like my granddad, like my father, and now I was following in that same course.
And I've got to tell you, folks, I was ashamed of myself. I beat myself up. I felt really exposed and weak, and I felt disqualified. And, and all of a sudden, I'd come to church with my wife, and Aaron wasn't born at that time, but my little boys, Jared and David, were with us. And I remember prophets and ministers and Pastor Iverson, who's been my pastor for over 55 years. He's still my father, spiritual father. And thank God for Pastor Iverson. Because when I was hurt and angry, and I never felt I could measure up because my father always focused on the things that I did wrong, and I never, I do not ever, ever re remember receiving praise. Never. I, I don't ever remember my dad doing that. And here's the reason. He never got it. He never, he was never in an atmosphere where there was faith and love. And so I remember one day my mom and my dad were having a big argument. And I was in my bedroom. I was a single man at that time. I remember coming into this argument with my parents. And I said, Dad, I'm so tired of you talking down to us all the time. Now, I was in college. And I said, it's got to stop. Why can't you speak faith? And I, I remember preaching that to my dad. Actually, I was dishonoring my father. And I was rebuking my father. The Bible says you're never to rebuke or dishonor your father. Do you know that? And I confronted my dad. I wasn't doing it in a spirit of love. And I said, you know, Dad, I remember standing up to my dad right into his face, and I said this, go ahead and beat my face in because that's what you want to do. That's what I said. Now, some of you are, boy, it's awful quiet in here. I, I'm just being really totally honest with you. I, I, I got to the point where I was so mad at him leading like a dictator. I stood up to him, and I said, Dad, go ahead, beat my face in. That's what you want to do. And he just stood, and so, I, you know what? I was in my underwear. It was night. I was in my underwear. I had a T-shirt on. You don't believe, Pastor Ray, what he did, but I ran out of the house in my underwear. We had this big orchard in the back of the orchard. I was so angry and I was so upset with my dad because I was, I was tired of the arguments. I was tired of a toxic atmosphere. I was just tired of it as a son. And uh, I'm out in this field in my shorts and my t-shirt. It's dark. Nobody could see me. While I'm out there in the back of the field, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, Ray, you're not right. You're wrong. I want you to go back and tell your father that you're wrong. And I said, God, it's not fair! I'm sick and tired of the toxic atmosphere in our home. I said, I'm, where is the leadership? That's what I said to God. Where's the leadership? I want leadership! Instead of this toxic garbage. I was mad. And the Holy Spirit said, you're not right, Ray. You're not right. I want you to go back. I want you to apologize to your dad. Well, I didn't do that. I didn't do that right away. And you know what happened? I knew 
the peace of God lifted. You are never to touch the Lord's anointed. Everyone, you understand what I'm saying? Do you know that your father and your mother is the Lord's anointed? And you are never to touch them, rail against them, speak against them in a dishonorable way. The Bible says, children, honor your parents. Everyone say honor. honor. You're to honor them. But, well, Pastor Ray, you can't honor people that are dishonorable. No, God didn't tell us to honor them on the basis of certain conditions. He said to honor them because he said to do it. God didn't say to honor them because they deserve it. God says you honor them because when you honor them, guess what? When you honor them, God will honor you. But see, I, I had a lot of memories. I had a lot of scars. And I had things in my mind that I was carrying for years. And the Lord said to me, he said, Ray, I want to break the curse, the generational curse of dishonor in your family when someone will step forward and humble themselves and choose to walk as Jesus walked. And so, I, I, I mean, the Holy Spirit was working on me. There was a Saturday afternoon. My dad was eating a sandwich in the kitchen table. And I had come in, and I saw my dad. This was like a couple weeks later. And I sat down to the table. I looked at my dad. I said, Dad, you remember a couple of weeks ago when I kind of got in your face and you were yelling at Mom and I got in your face and said, go ahead, hit me. He said, yeah, I, I remember that. And I said, Dad, I want to tell you, I was wrong. I was wrong. I dishonored you. My dad got up from the table and literally ran into the bathroom and shut the door. And I, I thought that was weird. I'm sitting here apologizing. He gets up and runs away. So I run after him. So I'm walking after Dad, and, I, and I, I knock on the door. I said, Dad, what's going on? And I hear my dad behind the door sobbing. He's sobbing. And uh, it began to hit me that there was never, in our family, there was never humility. There was never a humbling. There was never a time where we begin to embrace faith and embrace grace into each other. And the Lord began to speak to me through my pastor. My pastor began to become a spiritual father to me. He took me under his wing. And the very first time I'd ever heard phrases like this blew me away. He said this phrase to me. Because I would go to Pastor Iris and I said, Brother Dick, I was just so tired. And this is what Brother Dick would say, Ray, I believe in you. You cannot believe what that phrase did to my heart. To have someone say, I believe in you. And then, you know what else he said? He said, Ray, you are my son. And I'm embracing you as my son. And I want you to know, I want to come into covenant with you. And whatever you do, I stand with you. You're my spiritual son in the faith. And I want you to know that this day, today, 
God's going to begin to turn some things and empower you to be the man that the devil is trying to destroy. God's going to make you a father of fathers. That's what my pastor told me. God's going to make you, Ray, a father of fathers. You know what? I know that. I know that right now. You know what? I, I come back to my dad. And I said, Dad, I want to apologize. Later on, I said, I apologize. He said, Ray, thank you. What you did hurt me. And I said, yes, I know what I did hurt you. Please forgive me. You would not believe what happened after I apologized to my dad and I told him I loved him. You would not believe what happened. All of a sudden, things begin to open up. Money begin to flow. You know what? I got one of the best paying jobs that I ever had working for Boyd Coffee Company. I begin to see favor because I begin to honor my father. I didn't realize that dishonor, dishonor cuts the blessing off. Even though I felt I had a good excuse, when I begin to honor my father, even though at times I didn't feel he deserved it, when I honored my father, God says, I'm going to bless that man. And then all of a sudden, the Lord opened the book of 1 Samuel to me. How many of you remember the story of David? Do you remember when Samuel the prophet was sent to the house of Jesse to anoint a new king over Israel? And when Jesse heard about the news that Samuel the prophet, do you know the excitement that got into that house? All of a sudden, Jesse realized, wow, my son is going to be the next king. I want to tell you, that father knew that he was set for life. It would be like winning the lottery. Jesse heard that Samuel's coming, that a word from the Lord came to Samuel and said, a king is in your house. All of a sudden, Jesse calls his sons. But guess what? He doesn't call David. He calls his oldest son. See, under the, in the Jewish family, you need to understand this, in the Jewish family, the fathers always looked to the firstborn as the executor. The, the, the firstborn was always the favored son in the Jewish family. And all the other brothers and sisters knew, wow, and they, they begin to adore and worship. And for several days, I guarantee you, that firstborn was looking in some kind of a mirror. Uh, well, my, my time has come. Oh, I'm so glad that God has chosen me. And he probably started telling his brothers, you know, I'll tell you, I'll make you in charge of this. And I'll let you do, rule over that. And I'll put you as the chief cook in the kitchen. I guarantee you, that old brother, that oldest brother, was so excited about the news that this prophet was coming to anoint a king in his house, and it had to be that firstborn son. And even Samuel, even Samuel didn't know how God was going to choose a king. All of a sudden, Jesse comes. 
Jesse calls his son. They are decked out. They are dressed up. They're standing from the oldest to the youngest, only seven of them, in the, in the living room or wherever they're at. They're standing at attention as the prophet of the Lord walks into the room. And he looks at this oldest son, and he's good looking. Oh, this son, he's good looking. He is sharp. He's a polished young man. He's educated. He's dignified. He looks like he would be a good king. All of a sudden, Samuel is so intrigued, he's going to go and anoint him. And God says, Samuel, stop. He's not the one. For man looks upon the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. When that word came to Samuel that that firstborn, king, that firstborn son was not the anointed one, you could have heard a pin drop. You could have heard a hush because what it meant was he is rejected. God didn't choose him. But all of us, all of us look to him. He's the one. He's the guy that we always thought. He's the one who always bosses us around, gives us orders. He doesn't do a whole lot around the house here. But he's the one who God puts in charge. He's the man. He looks like a king, walks like a king. All of a sudden, Samuel, he's not the one. And Jesse says, you got another one? So they run number two in front of him. Samuel says, He's not the one. Number three. Nope. Number four. He's not the one either. All of a sudden, people are looking around. They're getting depressed. Man alive. How can God choose anybody younger than me? I mean, I've been decked out, dressed up, I'm polished, intelligent, I've been groomed to be the executor of the state. I should be the one. I'm handsome, good-looking. God goes, and they, as they pass through all seven brothers, amazing to me is that Jesse and the family are looking around and saying, that's it. And Samuel says, do you have another son here? Is there somebody? And they're all looking, puzzled. They're looking at each other. Well, we got some red-headed rut, little runt out there. He takes care of the sheep. We boss them around all the time. We tell them what to do. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that David runs in and he's got a big smile on his face. Hi, guys. I'm here at the party, too. Bible says he has a smile and his eyes are bright and he's got ruddy hair and red-headed. It says there in 1 Samuel 17. And he's there and says, what, what's going on? All of a sudden the Holy Spirit speaks to Samuel and says, that's the king. That's the one. The brothers are looking at David and they're in shock. And they shake their head, no way. Not that guy. Let me tell you, there was no coronation, there was no celebration. All David had was brill cream put on his hair. Little dabble do you. I mean, no, oil. 
He had some oil poured on his head. Samuel lays his hand on him and prophetically says, the Lord has chosen you to be king. Nobody claps. Nobody rejoices in this. They all go back to work. They leave. No, in fact, the Bible says how his brothers were jealous and even hated him. David's brothers, even from that day, they envied him. But David was chosen. What was so interesting is that David came from a, from a home where even his father did not honor him or even recognize him. But God saw him. God saw him. I want everyone to realize that God saw him. God anointed David to be king of Israel. One of the things that is so important today is that the Holy Spirit is calling people out. And he's calling people to recognize the fact that what God sees is not what man sees. As man sees, God doesn't see the same thing. And the Bible says God looks upon the heart. And I believe that God has chosen many of you. He's called many of you. He's anointed you. And you have not even given a thought that God could use you. David wasn't thinking that God was going to use him. And you know the first thing that happened when David was anointed king? You know what he did? He didn't go around the house saying, hey, guess what, guys? I'm going to be the next king. You know what it says? The Bible says he went back and tended the sheep. He just remained faithful. Everyone say faithful. David remained faithful, and he honored his father. And here's the most powerful thing. David learned honor. He learned how, he learned honor even in difficult situations. Do you know that when you begin to honor one another and we begin to honor those in authority, do you know that God will honor you? I remember I had to go back several times over the years. And the Lord said, Ray, I know that you've had a problem communicating with your father, but I placed your father in your life so that you could grow in areas that you would have never grown in. And I said, so your father had a good purpose. And I remember going back to my dad. I said, Dad, I want to tell you how grateful and thankful I am that God has given me, you're giving you to me as a dad. And you know what? My dad and I are close today. He still doesn't communicate. He has never actually said to me he loves me. Now, Pastor Iverson says, says that. But the Lord has showed me that even when my father fails, God has always come through for me. In fact, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that very humbly, but the Lord actually told me that you are going to be a father even to your father. And I don't say that in an arrogant way, but I begin to reach out to my dad, and I begin to love, and I would honor my father and let him know what a blessing he is. I do that to this day. You know what? One thing that's happened is we have become closer. One of the most important things, there's a scripture in the book of Proverbs that says that before honor is humility. Everyone say, say humility. 
If we're going to walk in honor, we need to understand the power of humility. I want to read one scripture, and then I'm going to close. I know our time is gone. The Apostle Paul, actually, let's, I'm going to come back to the scripture next week, but I want you to jump with me into 1 Corinthians 2. Here's the spirit of a father. Paul called himself the father of the Corinthian church. And he said this in verse 1, one, Brethren, when I came to you, I did not come to you with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus and himself crucified. What he was saying is when I come to you guys, I'm not here to show off. I'm not here to impress you. Because as a father... I want you to see your heavenly Father. In other words, true fathers know how to focus and help others see the heavenly Father. Verse 3, And I was with you in weakness. Everyone say weakness. In fear and in much trembling. You know what a father is? A father knows how to be vulnerable. Everyone say vulnerable. That means a father can get real. He can drop the walls. He can talk to his kids and let them know that he is weak, but it's by God's grace he is what he is. When Paul says, when I was with you, I, was, I wanted you to know how weak I am and the fear that I had, and I had much trembling. I trembled in fear, and I was in weakness. I did, I wanted you to know that I have nothing or no power over you. I am as you are. I come to you in weakness because it's only as we begin to embrace weakness. I'm not talking about embracing sin. When we embrace weakness, do we actually convey grace to those who are around us? People cannot receive until we become transparent. We become vulnerable. When Paul established this aspect of a father, he says, when I was with you, I didn't come and let you know all my credentials and how sharp and polished I am. And I'm, I'm a, was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. I'm a big man. I want you to know how strong and you should be appreciative of who I really am. No, he says, when I came to you, I determined not to know anything. I'm not here to impress you. I'm not here to shine anything. I'm here to let you know that I'm a weak man but yet I live by the power of God. I stand before you because of His grace and power. I find that when leaders and fathers are open and vulnerable and transparent, people are attracted to that reality because they know there's hope for them. I think in our church, New Life, I am so proud of the people in this house. I am so proud because I see fathers. I feel like Lonnie 
Dwight, Tony, and Oscar, and Jared, and James. James, 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 I gotta say something. Wow, my wife and I was at this Romanian church last week. And the reason why we were asked to come was because your daughters at Naaman Forest School so impressed this math teacher, which was a pastor. He says, I want my kids to have what your kids have at New Life Fellowship. And when I heard that, I said, thank God for a father and mother like James and Claire. That's, that's true. David said, your kids so blew him away because of the testimony. Where's your girls at? Praise God. Your kids, so impressed, Pastor David says, whatever your kids have at New Life, I've got to have it in our church. That's why I was invited to come to preach, because of your girls. And see, let me tell you something. The, I honor James and Claire. Because what was on the head has come down. And that glory and that power and honor is flowing down. And it's affecting the people around us. Can you say amen? amen. I want to tell you something, folks. There's many more testimonies that probably I don't even know. But I want to tell you something. Something in you, which is really powerful and honorable, is coming down. It's on you, Randall. What's been on you is flowing down to your family. It's going to break generational curses. It's going to bring blessing. There's going to be a restoration of God's love and power and vision. And there's going to be honor that's going to rest on you. Honor is resting on you. Honor is resting on you, David. The glory of a father. The glory of a father. God's glory. God's compassion. His love. The vision. Tim Carter. God's glory is on you, Tim. Amen. The power and the glory of Father God on you. It's flowing down. It's flowing down. I could go on and on. We have awesome fathers in this house. And the, the, we're going to release the spirit of that fatherhood and that, which is going to bring honor and glory to the Lord because it's coming through the fruit of our loins, through our children. And it's going to bring hope and peace and life to a dying generation. That's why we're focusing on this. I, by the way, I didn't even get into my message yet. You know what? I, I, I'm, I'm so excited about this house. I am so proud of you. But you know what? We, we, God is healing us. And I want to tell you right now, your past, if any of you have a past, can I tell you that your past is going to be used in a way that will bring glory to God? Do you remember Joseph? Do you remember David, how they all came out of abused, broken family? David came out of an abused family. He was rejected, wasn't even invited to the party, yet God chose him. Joseph was sold into Egypt. You know why he was sold? Because he was favored by his father. Anytime you get favor, people will reject you. They will sell you out because I've been around people that when God's favored me, they get jealous of me, they can, oh, Ray, you're stuck up. No. The only reason... I'm favored is because Carol and I 
have realized that when you walk in God's ways, He exalts you. It really is. It really works. But people don't believe it. They don't believe it. There's some awesome days ahead for us, church. I want you to bow your head. I'm, I'm done. I'm so excited about the people in this house. There's such gifting. There's such leadership. There's such honor. I just see compassion in our men. These are mighty men of valor. Our young men our young women. Folks, this is just going to get better. The glory of God is going to shine on this house. Father, we just thank You today that You come as Papa God. You come as Father God to bring us into a place where we see Your glory upon us and in us. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Father, thank You for revealing Your Son. Thank You, Lord, for helping us to see the honor and the glory in us to bring it to pass to others. Father, we will never again insult You. We will never again insult You by tearing ourselves down or tearing one another down. We repent from tearing each other down. We repent from making fun of others, our fathers, our mothers. We repent of the bitterness and the anger we held against our fathers. We didn't, we didn't even realize we were cutting off the blessing of the Lord. Father, we, we repent and we forgive our fathers. Father, I pray today that we would see the bigger picture. That what they meant for evil, God means for good. I ask you, Lord, to touch us today. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Shall you stand to your feet? You are precious in His sight. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. You know what a father does? He lays down his life for his sheep. That's what a father does. You have a father who sent his son because he saw such treasure in you. And he sees the value and the potential that when you begin to walk in the same glory, that He lives in all the time, you're going to see your home change. You're going to see your life change. You're going to see your children come into a new realm and relationship of their Father. I just see the Lord healing. I want you to take everyone by the hand. I want you to understand today, we are family. Everyone say that with me. We are family. Say it again. We are family. And everyone matters. Every, 
Mary Sapata, we love you. We miss you. You're a mighty woman of God. Mary has been taking care of her husband who's in a rest home. We've missed Mary, an awesome woman of God. We learn to see each other through new eyes. You're valued, you're loved, you're cared for, you're precious. There's a treasure in you. There's a treasure in you. God is doing such an awesome work in all of us. You know what you do in family? You love each other. You, you cherish each other. You value their friendship. You know what? I'm glad that in this church we always don't agree eye to eye. I'm so glad that we don't always agree. You know why? Because it gives us opportunity to get close. You know, some of the people that I've had the biggest battles with are the people that I've grown the closest with. Because you know what? Unless the relationship goes through the fire, it has no substance. But when you go through the fire and you come out and say, you know, I love you. I might disagree with you, but I love you and honor you. And I realize God has put you in my life for a reason. In heaven, folks, there are no denominations. There's no separate, there's no corner for black people and white people and Indian church and American church and Asian church. No, no, there's no Presbyterians and Baptists and Charismatic. There's only one race and one family. One race and one family. And so we need to learn to get along down here. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Father, we just go today. We go today in the anointing of a Father who has blessed us above all things. And Lord, today we are prisoners of Your grace. Lord, we see how much Jesus has seen in us and how You glorify Yourself in us as we choose to serve You. I pray today, Lord, that life and honor will flow from one another. That we would help to see that in one another there is the glory and the beauty of Jesus. Even when we are feeling uh, there's, that there are differences or conflict, Lord, help us to walk in a spirit of honor in all things. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Give, give a brother a hug. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome Memorial Day weekend. Be blessed in Jesus.